And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Hi everyone, here we are for Weighing In, show 57 with Josh the Punk Thompson and yours truly, John McCarthy. We got Podcast Dave sitting there doing all of the hard, heavy lifting while we just sit here and flap our lips. You can tune us in on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play. What other things, Josh? This is ridiculous how many things you can iTunes, yep. Stitcher, he got all of those things. You got it all. So, I think SoundCloud, hey, I think is what you miss, man. Everything. But yeah, hit the thumbs exactly. up on YouTube. That shares our videos to everyone. We actually appreciate you guys doing that. Our videos have been getting a ton of content. Also, if you guys have not checked me out yet, I've actually was just on Chael's show. Chael Sonnen, uh, Chael P. Sonnen. I was on his Chael podcast. P. Yeah, Chael P. Sonnen. I was, was on his show punk? a couple days ago. I wish it was for the park. That'd be nice. <laughs> I was on his show uh, two days ago now, and uh, great stuff, great content. We talked a lot about a bunch of stuff. Um, go there and check out his show as well. Um, we had a great time, man. I got to tell you. He is somebody that I feel like I can relate with. We just can our our mouth just flaps and everything comes out. It's it's really I don't strange. know if that's a good thing. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> we 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 did we really enjoy each other's content. It's funny, we work at the desk for Bellator. Uh, but when it came down to the, the actually doing the podcast, I was like, how's it gonna work? I don't even know. Like he he gonna take the lead. Am I gonna take the lead? Because he his persona when it comes down to like this is way different than when you meet him. People don't realize that oh, yeah. Chael son like Chael is not the same guy that there's, you meet. There's in person. multiple Chael. Yes, there's multiple That's why we Chael. call him Sybil. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, like people have this uh, perception of him that is just, it's, it's not the same as that the perception that you and I have. He is oh, an no. amazing person. That's one. Yes. Two is, he, I have never heard him ever outside of like fight promotion stuff. Like I'm building the fight there. I've never heard him say anything negative about somebody else. Absolute, like absolutely like a phenomenal person. Maybe you have a different yeah. experience with him, but no, for no, me, no. I, I do. First off, I love how he is with his family. I love how much he uh, cares about his wife and the way he handles himself with everything. Cause he's got a unique situation. He has a, an alter ego. He really does. He's got that alter ego that that's the guy that comes out and makes these comments. And it's the guy that did the promotion for MMA. And it's the guy that, you know, on his podcast, he, he makes some statements at times. You go, oh, I can't believe he said that. But it is really who he is in that format. And then when he steps away from the MMA world, he's a completely different guy. Completely different. And just a good human being. And it hurts me so much to say that. I just want you to know. <laughs> That's how I feel about saying anything positive about Podcast Dave. That's exactly how I feel. But, you know, it's funny. I actually called Podcast Dave today. I was like, Big John and I were talking earlier today, and, and I haven't told Podcast Dave yet, but you said, please do me something. Do me a favor. I know it's going to hurt you, but just tell him, <laughs> tell him directly 
I appreciate all the work he's done. I'm like, no, I can't do that. I cannot I do know, that. Yeah. You told me this morning, we were talking, we were talking about, it. he's like, hey, I want you to actually reach out to him and let him know that I actually do really appreciate all the work he, all the hard work he's put in. I was like, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. And then, you know, what? I, I just did it. And then I got texts about 30 minutes after you guys talked and I said, Dave, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, and pretty much. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of how I work around here. It didn't come from me, Dave. You know what's funny though, right? Is that people actually tune into our show to see how much crap I give him, which is great. If you look at the comment section on YouTube, they're like, oh, I want to see how many times he gives podcast Dave a hard time. I mean, obviously it's not enough because there's not enough comments about it, but there's like about four or five comments. I like it. I like to hear, I like to see that. Well, I've also had about four or five comments from my Scottish compadres that said to call Josh a ball bag. A ball mean? bag? What does that mean? It's a Scottish well, I, I would call that the same as what a scrotum is. Oh, right. <laughs> it's Pretty a ball much. bag. Yep. <laughs> no one really likes Dave, so we, uh, we're okay with it. I that. know you don't. So. All right, well, let, hey, let's get to it. I know, what is it, like three in the morning where you're at? So everyone, it's he's, all good, baby. he's not high, he's not drunk, but, but, not drunk. but I, I, am, I am a little intoxicated because I've been drinking since about noon today <laughs> watching fights. So... Big John's gonna run the show today, so talk to me uh, about the fights. Let's let's have this conversation. Come on, we, you know what? There were some good fights. You know, let's talk about what happened. And first off, I want to say this about the UFC. Nice job of trying to bring sports back to the people. You know, there's a lot of people that are going after them, trying to say things about they're not doing things right. And you're never gonna satisfy everybody. You can't. It just doesn't happen because there's always gonna be that person that's gonna look for the negative. And try to find the one thing that they can try to make like, oh, you did this so wrong. Overall, great job by the UFC. Great job with the fights. Great job by the fighters. All the fighters came and gave everything they had. Mo most of the matchups were really good, entertaining fights. So out of, you know, that's three shows in a week and a half. It's not easy to do. So hats off to him. Big hand clap. Good job. All of you guys, especially the, you know, the people behind the scenes that do all that hard work. Next, I want to say another thing they did that was fantastic. They just announced they're putting Kevin Randleman into the UFC Hall of Fame. Thank God. Thank and you. thank you for doing that. Thank you. He, you know, it's funny. Kevin had, he only had about seven, seven fights in the UFC. I did every one of them. I did every fight, you know, and one of the last fights I did was, uh, one of his fights in strike force and Kevin was just a unbelievable athlete. People have no idea. You know, you've seen him. Kevin's legs were gigantic and he had veins running in all directions <laughs> across him. You just look yeah. at him and you go, what the hell are you doing? Right. He was just a genetic freak. And, you know, he had a ton of injuries. He got kicked by Pedro Hizzo one time. And that one kick tore his quad off. It tore the muscle off of the attachment. And he continued on in the fight. And he had that injury for the rest of his fight career because he never went in. It reattached up high. He never went in and had it fixed. He was just crazy. If you can go back and you can see things about Kevin where, you know, where he got MRSA. And you, he's had giant holes in his body. One of the toughest human beings, he, during one of his NC2A championship matches, he gets his jaw dislocated and he jumps on the ground and slams his head into the mat 
to pop his jaw back and he goes on and wins the match. That's the kind of guy Kevin was. And I just want to say thank you to the UFC for for honoring him and putting him in. I'm I'm sorry that it's, you know, too late that he doesn't know about it, but at least his family knows about it, his wife, his sons. So they all, you know, will get that moment and that's a good thing. Let me tell you guys a story about Kevin Roundland. He had already fought in pride. I want to say already once or twice. He got sick a couple of times, eating the day old sushi that pride people give you. And <laughs> it, it had already been talked about amongst fighters that that's what it. they did to you. Do not oh, eat yeah. the sushi. So he had sent somebody out to get him chicken. They came back with chicken. He had eaten all the chicken right before he had fought. Like literally a whole bucket of chicken he had eaten right before he fought. I want to say it was the fight right before he had fought Mirko Krokop. Ugh. One of the greatest fights. If you guys have a chance, go on YouTube, wherever you can find that fight. That is a fight to go watch. Because at the time, Mirko was one of those guys that no one wanted to fight. And he just absolutely obliterated him and it was one of those fights that when you looked at the fact that with the way that he walked around the way that he carried himself just there was a, there wasn't a care in the world he just loved what he was doing he had so much energy so much fun to be around just talking to him in the hallway it was almost like you didn't realize he was there for a fight he just loved doing whatever it was he was doing an absolutely great person, great person to be around. I, I became really good friends with um, Coleman right after that. And just, it was just one of those things like it, it all meshed together. And that whole group of guys that were part of that, I just, I'll never forget because with Coleman, with Randleman, with Baroni, all those guys, they, they're absolutely, they were phenomenal people. They're, they're good people to the heart. They really are. I mean, I mean, everyone strays, do like does whatever they you know do. Yeah. But he really, it, he he really was a phenomenal person and energetic, and it really made me feel comfortable being around him because you don't get that feeling with other people sometimes, you know. And he just he was great. I, I love being around him, and I'm happy. I'm happy the fact that like his family gets to enjoy the fact that he's actually being inducted to the Hall of Fame. I think it's great. I think it's amazing. I think it's wonderful. It's nice to see. I think it's great. Yep. Fantastic. All right. Uh, so then let's talk about Walt Harris versus Alistair over. <sighs> God day. Hey, that was, you, you got to give it to Alistair. He is a crafty, crafty veteran fighter who is smart. He got hit with a big shot. He was able to withstand it, but you could see even, and, and it was kind of crazy to me that they looked and said, Oh, you know, I think Alistair won that round. No, he didn't. He almost got put away in the fight. And it's not that Walt wasn't, he wasn't on top of Walt. He was hitting, he wasn't, wasn't hitting Walt with big shots and he wasn't damaging Walt. Walt was more exhausted for going after him, trying to finish him. So he kind of, you know, blew the gas tank out a little bit there, needed to get some air, but he didn't suffer any damage. So Walt, Walt wins that round, but he blew up in that fight trying to get rid of him and even going into that second round when it started he's still tired and when you're a tired fighter you make mistakes and alistair took advantage of it smart gets his back flattens him out just sit there and you can just sit there and hit him you know eventually 
Dan Mergalata has got to stop the fight because he's got a guy that cannot move. And when he says, you know, move, get out, and he can't move, kind of telling you, you've been, pl- you've been placed in what we call checkmate. You're done. And fatigue was the big part of that. And I really feel bad for Walt Harris because of everything that he had to bring into the fight, you know, but really classy moves by Alistair over him. You could hear him saying, hey, it's okay. Hey, let's train together. And all these things that, you know, happen all the time when you're in, in the cage and you hear it. And Walt's going to, you know, he'll come back a better person for that fight and a very nice and good win by Alistair coming back from some adversity and just being a smart veteran fighter. Yeah, I looked at it as like a seasoned veteran fighter. That's really what I looked at. It was like it really just came down to like, let's weather the storm in the first round. Let's get through this second round. Let's get right to back what we were what our game plan was. And I think what happened was there was so many, like there was so much emotions going through probably Walt and what was going on. And you have sound? You good? Nope. I don't. I, oh, yes. think, oh, there we are. Of course. We, I thought we lost John for a second. Yeah. yeah Man, I wish you know what I mean. I wish dropping out. podcast Dave, though, for at least <laughs> an hour or so. <laughs> poor anyway, Dave. Poor Dave. Poor Dave. He actually clean shaved. He, Woo. So did I, which is funny. He actually clean shaved. He doesn't even look like himself. It's very ugly. It's very disgusting. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So let's get back to it. Uh, with Walt Harris, I think, look, I think there was a ton of emotions going through it. Yep. When he had success early in the first round, it just builds up to what, what was going on mentally for him. Like, oh, shit, I'm going to get this guy out of here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do all that stuff is a buildup. And had he not, had he got him out of there, we'd all be sitting here going, oh, all the emotions, wow. great job, wonderful. Like he conquered it all. But you got to remember, this is a five round fight. If Alistair was able to weather the storm, the experience played a factor. It just come down, it comes down to the fact that with Walt Harris, he just needs a little bit more time with more people. And the other thing yep. as well is he just needs more time. I think, function like getting through whatever it is he's getting through whether it's mentally whether it's fight wise whatever it is like this this is a huge fight back it didn't work out but i also think that this next fight whatever happens next he will be um he'll be a better fighter because he will be a better learn from this a lot a lot better fighter a lot because there's a lot of things right on this like not just mentally, but just for him personally is in his mind. And I think he'll be fine. I think he, there's no doubt whether he's athletic, Well, there's no doubt whether he has all the tools, he's all the intangibles. He has all that stuff. It just comes down to, he's got to lay it all out there with, without this pressure. I think now that this first fight is done, the second fight, I think he'll be able to do it. Yeah. I think that exactly what you look, he's, he's big, strong, fast, athletic for a heavyweight. But you've got to get past that first fight with all that emotion. Yeah. You got to get past carrying all of that extra weight in there with you and, and wanting to do so well and wanting to do well for other people. And when it comes to fighting, you you know that, you know, he trained for a five round fight. And when it shows that he was tired after, you know, basically two and a half minutes, that's telling you how much adrenaline was pumping through his system how you know just the butterflies were there and everything was there as a heavy weight on his shoulder so at least it's gone you know hopefully this is going to be a fight where he actually builds from it even though it was a loss it's an experience the experience of getting back into the cage getting himself back in line with what he does and so 
again, I don't think it's, you know, a terrible loss, especially with the guy that he, he ended up losing to and Alistair being the veteran guy who's fought everyone and usually come out on top in most of those fights. So yeah, he'll be back. Yeah. I feel, I, I feel bad for him because I know he wanted that, but in the end, it's not a big deal. All right, next fight. Well, Claudia Gadella and Overkill Hill. Angela, I really, I love Angela. I love the fact that she's always trying to fight. She's always going after, you know, taking fights, last minute notice and everything. This was a good fight, you know, and we we had talked about it before that we thought that Claudia needed to get the fight to the ground, and she did in the first round and didn't do a whole lot with the position once she got there. But she didn't have a lot of time. It was only about a minute or so left in the round when, when the fight hit the ground. You know, she's up against the cage, and I'm saying, take it backside, take it backside. You know, finally, she takes the, that takedown backside, gets it to the ground, but Angela was good enough just to keep herself safe, not endure any, you know, a ton of punishment. She actually got herself back to her feet before that round ended. So I was in her head that had to tell her and make her feel good about, I can get up off of the ground. And it was a lot of her controlling where the fight was at. I thought, you know, it was simple. Claudia won the first round. I thought it was very simple that Angela won the second round. And the third round was close. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, beat up the judges about anything, but I think they forgot how much Angela did in the first half of that round because Angela won the first half of the third round and Claudia was coming back and doing well at the end. And that's what you saw last. And that's why she ends up getting the win. Those are hard fights to judge. They are. When you see people that are like, someone won the first two and a half and the other person won the next two and a half. And the last thing that people, like the last yeah. thing the judges see is the last two and a half. So that's, what's fresh in their mind. Yep. Um, for you, you had, what did, who'd you have winning? I had Angela winning. So I had Claudia winning. And, and that's based, probably based on the fact that I'm a fighter, you're a ref and you see <laughs> things differently than I would actually see them. But Maybe. You know, I I really see, I've always um and I'm and the other thing is I'm extremely biased because Claudia and I we've trained together and she's an amazing person, and, and not to mention she tried one time to rip, rip my fucking knee and my heel off like one time with a heel hook <laughs> when we were training together. But um no, she trained AK for a long time and I'm a big fan of her. So anyways, uh, I, I had her winning regardless of whatever the situation was. But I agree with you. It was it was a very close fight. It really came down to the bottom line of like how the judges viewed like what was more important. I just felt like, fuck, man, God, she had to make more of I felt like she needed to make more focus on trying to get this fight to the ground. And it wasn't there. I, she almost it was more like, oh, I'm OK on my feet. No, let's try yep. to let's try to make this a dirty box. Let's I feel like she needs to try to make it more of a Randy Couture like type fight. Like, let's press you to the fence. Let's dirty box you. Let's try to get the takedowns. Let's control the position of the cage. And she didn't do that. And I think when you end up in that in in some in several of those positions, like that can end up costing the fight. She's very lucky that she got the nod. I mean, yeah. she's very lucky she got the nod because obviously, you know, I mean, you have some judges that would have seen it the other way. 
You, you, you would have potentially have seen it the other way. I didn't I see, it the, seen it, the it the other way. I didn't see it the other way, but I'm also very biased when it comes to, to Claudia. So I like, ah, I felt like she dominated certain positions. I felt like some of her shots were landing a little bit harder, but I also felt like she should have tried to push so, more. So what, for what, the positions, what positions did she dominate? Well, I felt like she should have pushed more for like more positions. No, no, no. I guess you said she, I thought she dominated more positions. What positions? No, no. What I meant was- no, no. What I meant was that she should have not had tried to throw more strikes. She should have tried to put more pressure against the fence. More like she should have, but she didn't. She, she didn't. Okay. She didn't. You do know what the criteria for judging is, right? Uh, you know you, what? You can, though, just, as, you can as, just rattle it off, right? As a fighter, we don't care about that. We just care yeah, about see, winning. That's, that's your problem. We see? just care about winning. <laughs> That's the thing. As refs, though, you guys shouldn't uh, care about that either. You should just care about refing and seeing headbutts. Uh, I don't care about it, but I did write it, so <laughs> you, I kind of have an understanding. You did write it. You uh, did, but you should yeah. care about headbutts, too. They're illegal. Yeah, no, they're not. Not when they're against someone you really don't not care Not against about. Thompson, though. Not against Thompson. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, had, I had Claudia. It was... It was close. close. It was close. It was one of those fights. It was close. But I feel like it shouldn't have been that close. I We talked about this uh, well, on Wednesday. It should yeah. not have been that close. It should not no. have been. I felt like Claudia needed to make a, a dominant performance if she wanted to make another run at a title. That was not a dominant performance. No. Anyone, you know, she's a, she's, it's strange because Claudia came in, you know, from, she was fighting for Invicta before you know the ufc had the straw weights and she was the one that nobody wanted to fight yeah she was the one everyone was avoiding and then there became the little thing between her and Joanna, and Joanna was the one that was you know the one to step up and say ah this girl can this girl i can match up with her but most in the beginning nobody wanted to fight claudia now people are looking saying ah she can be beat because for what exactly what you're saying sometimes she doesn't fight towards her strengths yeah you know and it not that she didn't fight well she did yeah. but her strength against angela was on the ground her strength was not in the stand-up against her so why not work harder towards getting it towards the ground you know using the cage at times you know when she would grab she had her leg in the middle of the, of the cage and then drives her all the way to the cage wall and i'm like why you know, you can turn a corner in the middle of that sucker very well and you can make someone go down, but you get used to doing something. So you do it. But yeah, I, I don't think that fight hurt Angie at all. I don't think it's going to change Claudia's position much. So, you know, things just kind of stay status quo with it. But the fight before that, let's talk about that. Edson Barbosa against Dan 50 K E gay. He, uh, Edson actually looked really good for, you know, going down to 145, had energy, didn't look like he got really tired comparatively to anything he did in the lightweights. You know, he, he actually looked really good. Uh, I thought he won the first and the second round. I thought there was no way that you could have given those. Definitely, you know, he, he hurt Dan in the first round with that elbow and then right hand that hit him and put him down. So that was an easy round for Edson the second one you can look and say yeah at the end of the round maybe you know Ige had some things but at the end of the round Edson ended up on top but I still thought I thought Edson, Edson ended up landing the better shots and more shots in the second round and I'll give Dan the third round but 
the judges saw it differently and they went with Dan. So Ige wins it. Bad decision. I didn't agree with it. I thought Edson won the fight. I thought Edson won the fight also. And I'm actually good friends with Dan. I'm good <laughs> yeah, friends with Bobby. Yeah, it's it, it really, we were texting each other. What? What do you want to say? say? You're not being biased for Ige? No, no. He, he, Whoa, Josh is being biased? This is this guy. Whew, what's going on? <laughs> Calling you out, baby. You know you're going to have to leave my this facility, right? I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> Anyways, no, like, I, I'm good friends with Dan. I think he's extremely talented. I think he has a bright oh, he future. He's he a fight, great fight. Yeah. I didn't think he won. He fought a tough fight, I but didn't, he didn't win it. Yeah, I didn't think he won. And that was, I felt like the, the first round, you and I disagree on this. It potentially could have been a 10 8 round. Yeah. He says Good no. Enough. Well, okay, tell me what makes a 10 8 round, Josh? Honestly, you tell me. I have no idea these days. Well, then that I have no idea. Say it should have been a ten. Well, round. if you if you get dropped, if you get <laughs> dropped and you get rocked again in the next it, it, later in that round, I feel like that kind of leads to being a ten eight round in boxing. Okay. If you get dropped one time, it's a ten eight round. Yeah, but this ain't and, boxing. And right? I know it's not boxing, but okay. I'm saying I have no idea these days what it like what equates to a ten eight round. He got dropped and then he got rocked yes. again later in the round. Yes. Is that was he, domi- is that- was he dominated? <sighs> it's okay. Here's, here's if you got dropped. If you got dropped looking, and rocked, yeah, I would say you got you're you got dominated. For three things, three D's. All right, damage, domination, and duration. All right, this is when when we're talking about fights, we've got to follow the criteria of why someone would lean towards a ten eight. So you're looking at, for a ten eight round in MMA. You've got to say that you either have I've got damage and domination of the round. So did Edson dominate the round? No, he didn't drop him. That's is that not he damaged him? Hold on. He damaged him. That's damage. Okay. So if I have no domination, but I have damage, then I can say, okay, if I have damage, was there a duration of that damage? Meaning, was there a long period where he was damaged and hurt and, and was just holding on and surviving? And you can say that first knockdown was nice, especially some of the hammer fists that Edson landed, but the duration of it was not long enough to meet that there's a large gap in this round. So he doesn't get those Ds, at least two of them, to match up. So that's why I would say it's a it's a, a wide space 10-9. Clearly, Edson Barbosa easily wins that, but it would be a large margin 10-9, not a 10-8. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, I get where you're coming from. I just, I looked at it. I, I didn't think, even though I'm good friends with Dan, I actually have trained yeah. with, I, I just didn't think he won the fight. It was close, but it, I, didn't I, I didn't think he won the fight. And that's, it's sad because there, I, I've seen, I've, I know all the stuff behind the, the scenes on why they took that fight, why they wanted that fight and all these things. It just, I, I felt like he, he didn't do quite enough to win it, but he got the knob, which, hey, I tip my hat, man. Move on to the next one. That's a huge win for him. Whether, yeah. I, whether I feel like he got the knot or not, I mean, it's a huge win for him. But I also feel like we had talked about for a while that Barboza, we weren't sure how he performed at 145. And I thought he performed phenomenal. I thought, yeah. you know, I don't. I, I felt like he did everything he needed to do to win the fight. He just didn't get the, the judges nod. Yeah, well, and, I, and I'll give, I, I always thought that Dan was the, pretty fast fighter at 145 mm-hmm. and i thought edson was every bit as fast as him oh for sure yeah. there's no yeah there's no doubt 
And so, well, that, that's saying something coming down and being able to be, okay, I'm just as fast, if not even faster than the person that I'm coming down and facing at that lower weight, because speed is the difference in the next fight. You know, the one I want to talk about was Matt Brown, you know, in his fight against Miguel. And that's the difference of what speed does. You watched Matt come out. Matt was the heavier striker. He was stalking, he was pressuring, but it was always the exchanges. He didn't see all the shots coming his way. They were too fast for him, and he kept on getting hit by that last shot he didn't see. And you know, in the end, you know, he had a very good first round. It was a, you talk about a hard round to to judge. He drops Miguel down in that, and then he gets dropped later on. So Matt gets dropped, Miguel gets dropped. That's a tight, tough round to judge. But then second round, it gets finished, and that was a very good stoppage by Jason Herzog right away because Matt was hurt badly when he hit the ground and wasn't able to defend himself. So, Well, we've, but, al- we've always talked about speed as like one of the biggest factors, especially yeah. when you're dealing with like that type of weight class. And, I mean, I, how old is Matt Brown? Is there a way to like, – he's got to be pushing say 40. Well. 40 years of age. No. But he's, been, he's been fighting – you know, he's been in the UFC – the entire time since what he was on season seven of the ultimate fighter 39 let me just tell you this no fucking way i'm good at 40 (laughs) years old thank you but no thank you yeah i'm sorry but not i'm not sorry like that type of stuff no thank you there's no way like when you're dealing with i'm sorry when you're dealing with the young bucks the speed kills i i have no desire to get in that cage and deal with people that just have speed kills they're beating you to the punch. It doesn't matter. It, you could touch them, touch them, sure. Eventually, if they can weather the storm, they're going to touch you faster than you touch them. I have no desire. I have <laughs> no, no desire. desire at all. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm just being, I'm being honest. Like that was a, one of the biggest issues that I had dealing with as far as being an athlete, like being a fighter is training with guys like Islam. And there was two Islams by the Islam, Islam and could be like, even though I felt like there was things that I could do to them, but the speed, the, the speed was always a thing that I always had to deal with. I was always, I've always felt like I was one of those people that's always considered to be pretty fast. The jab, the right hand, the takedown. Like I was, the transitions were fluid and they were fast. You hit that not age. Not and when they're you get not to that there. one point. Yeah. No, no. And it's not, it's funny because I trained with Herschel Walker for, for probably about two, two, three years. And he's like, Oh, age, is nothing but a number, this and that. I said, yeah, no. I agree. I agree with you to an extent. Like, but the problem is like Herschel, we are, we are Human. putting you in front of not people. like him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are putting you in front of people that are not as athletic as you. And you are fighting people that are maybe um, they're not on the same level athletically as you for sure. Especially at 47, 48, you know, years old. And we get that. We understand but he's like, yeah, it's just a mindset. It's this, is that. I'm like, no, 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 I'm sorry. And as, as I'm, when I started like getting to that point where these guys are really fast, especially at lighter weights, they're extremely fast. And that's always, yep. and to touch on someone that I've always admired and, and always kind of actually love watching fight was Frank Yeager. When he went down to 35, I'm like, it's, or when he goes down, it's, it's just, you're going to another level where guys are faster. If anything, go back up to 55, but then the size plays a factor as well. So you're kind of stuck in that little bit of a limbo of where you should go. 
it's hard. The speed, the speed kills. And there's a reason why those, like I said, I've always said this, there's a reason why those saying those sayings stick around because they're true. Speed kills. And that's that's something you gotta deal with. Yep. Yeah. I thought uh the other fight that you know is like uh Cheeto Vera, his oh. fight again. All right, Dave, before I screw it up, Yadong. Song Yadong. Song Yadong. Am I saying that right? Okay. Uh, I think it was Yadong song. Oh, Yadong. Oh, okay. Yadong. Is it Yadong song or Song it, Yadong? I think it's Yadong song. Well, we never got uh, right Rosen now. Strike right either, by the way. <laughs> oh, sorry. Never... Song Yadong, you're right. Song Yadong. Song Yadong, okay. <laughs> you know, that fight, I thought, I thought Cheeto won that fight. I thought he won it two rounds to one. I thought he came yep. back and 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 won the the last two rounds of that fight. I thought Song Yudong won the first one. He landed some heavier shots, but I thought Cheeto won that fight. I I obviously I'm wrong because he didn't. But you know I thought he fought a really good fight, and I and I I feel for him because I know he was disappointed, feeling like he he fought against a really good guy, a guy that had heavy hands, and he fought really well. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's, I mean, realistically, there's, there's no way I, I can't look around. I thought Cheeto won the fight too. I thought yeah. he, I thought for sure he won the fight when they did the judges' announcement. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? That I felt like there was no way that he lost that fight. Yeah. It comes down to the, the to the judges and like what they saw. No. Maybe he, maybe they thought he landed the like a soggy dong lot, landed the, like the cleaner, harder shots. But I felt like. Vera was landing like he was coming forward. He was landing clean shots. Maybe they weren't as as effective and as as hard. Um, but I felt like he. I felt like he won the. I felt like he won the fight. We there. I, I felt like there was never a moment where he wasn't. Um, where he wasn't like able to withstand what he was getting hit with. So yeah. if that's the case, then you're if you're able to walk through the shots, then were they really that hard? Did they have that. Do they really have that much effect? I, I definitely thought that uh, Vera won the fight, but yeah, you know, did you, I don't, did you actually, did you watch all the prelim fight? I did. I missed the, I actually missed the Matt Brown fight. So when you were talking, I had to actually go okay. back and watch it. I had to actually go back and watch it because I you're like, Oh, it's a, it's a good fight. Watch it. And I was like, all right, so I had to go back and watch it. But yeah. Did you get the, did you happen to see Darren Elkins against Landworth? No, I didn't. Oh, you know, with Darren Elkins, it was nothing but, but blood everywhere. Anyways, when, and I, I, wanted, sh when I showed up to the gym to watch it, everyone was like, "Oh my god, it was a great fight." Was it a good fight? It was a good fight, tough fight, and uh, you know, because Elkins never will quit. And Nate Landward, man, this kid was tough. He's going after him. He's screaming in the middle of the fight. Kind of reminded me of a uh, the way Robbie Lawler or Chris Lytle used to do at times. You know, whoa, you know, he's oh. even landed. He landed a shot. He landed an elbow and just kind of walked away sideways and looked like, yeah. You go, well, dude, if you're having that much fun fighting, goddamn, enjoy yourself because he he looked really good. He did a great job. And Brandon Fitzgerald, he's came actually used my line, man. I'm a little bit upset. He didn't give me credit. He goes somewhere I heard he says, you know, it's just colored sweat, <laughs> all the blood because <laughs> that's all I ever say. You know, I'm doing judging. Hey, look, at blood is colored sweat. Don't worry about it. You know, but uh, goddamn, Darren Elkins has put more blood into that octagon than I think any other fighter there is. That guy cannot. In fact, Chris Holsworth at, between rounds says, 
all right, we're bleeding now. So, so now we know we're in a fight. This is the, this is when we get good. I go, yeah, well, that's about right. Yeah, so, that's crazy. Um, that's... yeah, I've seen Durham fight a bunch of times. Extremely talented, extremely good. God, he's tough. No heart. Like it's all, it's all heart. No heart. Yeah. All heart. All heart. Yeah. All heart. All heart. There you yeah, go. extremely. I didn't, I didn't get to see the fight, so I can't talk too much on it. But so, who ended up winning? Nate. He did, and he deserved it. Absolutely deserved it. The kid fought great, and you know. You know, made his uh, appearance in the UFC and fought his ass off and really fought well. So there's so, so now we talk about the card, but there was I've had a couple people, like some media people reach out to me and I want to get into this with you a little bit. They have all criticized the UFC for doing these shows. They are on like they're reaching out to me because they believe from because you and I, obviously for me, I. I stick them a little bit every once in a while. I'm not going to speak for you. I stick them a little bit every once in a while. And I think they were expecting me to say something negative about them. And I've been very clear about, I think I will continue to be very clear. At the time they wanted to do the the Tehachi Palace fights, it wasn't the right time. This is the right time in Florida. They're doing it. They're doing everything they possibly can. And I'm sorry, I have nothing negative to say about what they are doing. They're putting on good shows. They're trying to do the best they can with the fighters. I've had, I can't tell you how, like five, maybe six media people call me. Hey, what do you have to say? (laughs) I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. They're doing the best they can. And I'm going to continue to tip my hat to them. Is that these guys are getting fights. They're they're testing them before the fight. They're going there to fight. I agree a little bit with like Joe Rogan and, and DC about like, hey, we've already been tested. We don't have it. Why are we ten feet away from each other doing <laughs> yeah, the commentary yeah, that, that of the fight? We're we're both we're all of us are negative. Anik and Joe and and DC. Why are we ten feet away from each other? Whatever it is. But regardless. I have nothing negative to say. I thought I think they're doing a great job. I'm glad they were able to get these fights off, and I'm happy for all the fighters that were able to fight. Yeah, same here. You know, I thought I I have nothing bad to say. I I wouldn't. I think there comes a point, like you said, I was the first one to say the Tachi Palace show should not be mm-hmm. happening, and it was the reason I was saying it shouldn't be happening is not that I didn't want to see fights. I obviously do, but. They were going against what was one of the key elements of building the the sport up. Of hey, we need to be regulated, and they were they were stepping on that, and they were they were creating this big thing with it that was going to be bad. And I'm telling you, it was going to be bad. So I was really happy when it got pulled. And then this is a completely different breakdown. It's a completely different situation. The state of Florida is. In business, the athletic commission is willing and able to do the regulation of the shows. The UFC is using them as the regular. Perfect. You know, go do your thing and stuff. So, I, you know, it's, you got to think it, it's tough on, you know, this show, this whole, this week, you know, because everybody that went down there had to stay down there. All the officials, you know, all those guys were, you know, they weren't able to go home and then come back. They all had to stay there and stuff. So. You know, there was extra that was put on everybody, you know, that was part of the shows to do them. And, and I think overall, they did a fantastic job. They they caught the one fighter in Jacare who, you know, tested positive, 
They caught his trainers who also tested positive. Now, is that perfect as far as, you know, was he in contact with anyone? Sure. He's going to be in contact with people that you can't stop people from being, you know, in a, in the ability for them to have contact with another person, but they handled it as good as they can handle it. No complaints at all. So the other thing did you see, did you see the, um, you know, Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira was a fight that a lot of people, you know, were concerned with. And Michael Bisping was coming out saying, you know, stop the fight. You know, I was saying, I was screaming, stop the fight. You know, and you and I talked about it with, you know, the corner and the, the two corners being of, you know, James Krause being a guy that was training a little bit with Anthony Smith and Mark Montoya being the guy who normally was his trainer. And he was the guy that was in the cage. You know, Anthony sitting there saying, hey, you know, my teeth are coming out and stuff and different things. And so, you know, Jason Herzog was the referee for that, you know, fight. And uh, he called me about it and we went over things and I gave him some insight. And hey, this is this is a way you can handle this. This is another thing you can do. And just, that's between me and him. But he, he wrote something and I'm going to read it because it's important and it's important for a reason. Who I was talking Herzog, Jason Herzog. He put this out on Twitter. So it says, the sport of MMA is beautiful, it's pure, and an incredible teacher. Some lessons are more harsh than others, and I've seen a lot of opinions about what should have happened and who was at fault. But let me be clear, there is only one person to blame, me. I am responsible for each fighter I am entrusted to oversee. I will take this experience, make the necessary changes, and get better. That's the attitude that a winner has. And I just want to tell Jason, God bless you, brother. I love you. It's nice to have a guy, you know what? Man enough to say, I could have been better. It's not that I was bad, but I could have been better. It's funny because I've been fighting. I was fighting for so long that I remember one of the first fights he did with mine and he just was, you could tell he was you we you and I have talked about this. He yeah. was like the guy in the cage that would like bounce around like he was jumping ding, 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 ding. everywhere. <laughs> and you had to tell him, like, hey, stop belting around. You're driving me crazy. Stop, yeah. I get it. I understand. And um the fact that he took the responsibility on himself was it says a lot about his character. It says a lot about him. But was it really on him though? You know, it, it doesn't have to be just on him. And, and, and I'm saying this for this reason. I want, I sat through a lecture one time of Magic Johnson. I was lucky enough to be able to sit in this lecture that he was putting on. And I listened to Magic Johnson and it, it taught me so much at the moment because I listened to him talk about all of the world titles that he was part of and those games that we had all watched. And every one of the victories, he gave credit to certain teammates. All of his teammates basically got credit and he took none. And every loss, he took full responsibility for. No, that was my fault. No, that was my fault. No, let me explain why that was my fault. And you look and you go, yep, that's why you're a fucking winner. Because you don't sit there and make excuses. You don't put blame where it doesn't belong. And even when it really doesn't completely belong on you, you're going to stand up and say, no, nope, this is on me. I'll take it. 
And that's what Jason Herzog is doing there. Yeah, it's not completely his fault. In fact, Jason did a really good job of officiating that fight. He did an outstanding job in a lot of it. And a lot of people would have stopped it at certain points when Anthony was actually trying to get himself out of these positions. And Jason did a fantastic job. There's there's some points in between where you're looking and saying, does this guy have a chance in this fight anymore? And Jason's smart enough to realize there, there were moments at a certain point that he wasn't a guy that was going to win the fight, but there wasn't the moment that was there for me to stop the fight. Yeah. So I've got to let it go. Yeah. And that's a hard position to be in. And I've been in it. And it, it takes you being in those positions to learn how to handle them and what to do and how to make it so I can get the fighter out of this fight without it being on the fighter, without the fighter having to tap out, without all these things. There's things that I can do that I can handle this situation. And there's ways that I set it up. And, you know, Jason's going to learn from, you know, what occurred in that. And now he would handle it, you know, just off of being able to look at it. He's going to handle the next one. And somewhere along the way, there'll be a next one that's just like it. And he's going to handle it in a different way because now he's got the tools in that toolbox that, hey, I know exactly what I need to do. And that's what being a good, a good official is, is understanding in each situation, I know exactly what I need to do. So are you splitting the blame between, I wouldn't say blame. I would say like, are you saying that, hey, it was between the the corner and Herzog, between the two of them to a to they should have stopped me going before going to the last round well it it is this if you're if you're the referee and you don't have the time to stop the fight based upon what's occurring you can't stop the fight at that thing so you have to know the ways that oh i can get this fighter out of here it's not known by everybody all right and it's something it's you know, there's there's all there's all kinds of levels and there's levels to grappling and there's yeah. levels to striking and yeah. there's levels to officiating and people don't understand it. But like we said, you know, real world, John Hackleman, who was in Glover to corner, would never have let Glover go out for that fifth no. round. No, nope. he wouldn't have done it. I know him. He would have said, hey, my guy's done. We're not, I'm not letting you go out. You know, just like a buddy McGirt in boxing has done, you know, and he's done it multiple times and he's had fighters that he's done that for Max die. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, you, you've got to be there to say, my guy doesn't have it tonight. And sometimes, you know, you're, you're worried about the fighter saying, you don't believe in me or the fighter saying, you didn't, you didn't give me that, that last bit of opportunity to let me go out there and try you know, th- that happens at times with guys. You know, you can take a look at Deontay Wilder. Yes, I was just Mark to bring Breland. Mark Breland stopped that fight. It was the absolute right thing to do. It actually helped save Deontay Wilder for later on in his career. And for a while, Deontay Wilder was saying what? I don't know if I can have him in my corner anymore. Okay? That guy just saved you. Stop. Go get, go Go buy him a gift and give him a kiss. All right? That guy cares about you. And you and as the fighter, like you know, you have said, hey, I have to trust in my corner. I have to trust when they say go, I gotta go. And when they say, hey, it's time to turn it off, I gotta turn it off. They know best. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, like I said, I think the problem with Anthony's corner in that fight was it was two. 
James Krause was the, you know, and James is a good fighter and a great guy and a very good corner. I'm taking nothing from him, but he's not going to do it because he's new with him and that's just not his position. He's not even in the cage with him. He's on the outside and Mark Montoya is there and he's been working with him, but now he's got James there and I, I don't want him to get this feeling like I don't believe in him. Just a bad situation overall, but it's the corner that should have said, hey, we're going to pull the plug on this. This is not our night. You've given it everything that you could give it. I can't ask anything more of you. I'm going to pull the plug on it. And that would have been the right thing. But if that doesn't happen, the referee has to know, here's the tools that I can use to be the guy that makes sure that he does. He takes no more damage. If you walk to the corner and you hear the fighter say, my teeth are falling out. Yeah. At that time, what do you do? Eh, you know, dependent upon the situation. You know, I've had teeth come out. Okay, let's just be honest. You know, how many teeth have come out when I was a referee? I have had bowlfuls, okay, let's just be honest, of teeth lost during fights. Okay, it happens. And it's a matter of, okay, the tooth comes out. That's not a reason to stop the fight. A tooth coming out can be the reason to stop the fight because the tooth coming out is the jaw is broken and the teeth and they come out. And so with that broken jaw, you can have problems. So, hey, that could be a reason to stop the fight. So it just depends. It's okay. The guy's teeth came out, but he's actually winning the fight. Yeah, definitely not going to stop this fight because he's actually in the fight and he's winning the fight. But when you're in the position and I've talked to you about, you know, a referee needs to look at the body language of the fighter. And he needs to look when the when the fighter goes to the corner. You know, if you go back and you look, at, I would walk if I had a fighter that I knew took an ass whipping. You know, I never stood in one spot during the break. You would see me, you know, walking back and forth between fighters because I'm I'm concerned usually more about one than the other. But sometimes, you know, you got both and they're doing damage either. But sometimes you got one that ah, this is this guy's my problem, and in that. Anthony's your problem. So I'm going to walk and watch Anthony walk back to his corner. I'm going to see how he goes back to his corner. I'm going to see how he sits on the stool. If he does sit on the stool, I'm going to see how he looks and interacts with his trainer. I'm not going to bother him. I'm just going to stand there and observe everything because all of it is information that comes to me. It all helps tell me, is this guy really in this fight still? And so all of that is what you're watching. And then when you hear him say, hey, my, my teeth are coming out and he has taken damage and he's not fighting well and he is not looking at his corner, it's telling you. He's trying to say, hey, man, I got problems. Yeah. I, I got problems here. And what do you think? Because he's going to listen to his corner. And when his corner says, all right, this is what I need you to do. And you're going to go back out. Okay, okay. I'll go back out. And he will, you know, just like you would. And is it the best thing for him? Not always, you know, sometimes it's not going to be the best thing health-wise for him, even though it's the right thing for him to do because he's got a chance at winning that fight. But when you're in the position that he was in with the fight against Glover in the end, he wasn't going to win that fight, man. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't need someone to, to have the last nail put in the coffin for you to know the results of what's happening. Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard for me. I had the same corners for almost 20 years. Yeah. And I would actually. That's because you trusted them though. Yeah. And I would be upset if they would have sent me back out there. Going out there in that last round, I would have been upset. I would have been like, hey, 
my teeth are out. Like I'm, I'm not, obviously you know me, you know, I have, there's no quitting me. You guys can go back and watch my Tony Ferguson fight. There's no, uh, I have, there's, there's no, there's no quit. I need you. No, I need dude, you. I, was so, I went back and watched your telling you, I tell in fact, I told you about two weeks ago, Hey, mm-hmm. I went back and watched your Tony Ferguson fight. And what did I tell you? You're you're actually kind of tough. <laughs> you're like uh, you're I said. T- you know what, brother? I'm fucking proud of you. You are a tough motherfucker. I mean, because it was not an easy fight to get through. No, it wasn't. I mean, I I went back and I watched it like like, like two times. It's just it's it's hard to watch. It is sure, but um, but Bob kept telling me like you had moments where I was okay, where you actually had moments where you potentially could have got to something. He's like, you just were a step behind. And so yep. he, he let me keep going. Um, but I also, I, I had never felt that way after a fight. When I went back to the shower to shower and I was a bloody mess, obviously. And I got in the shower and I was like shaking, shivering, like almost like chills. Like I had exhausted so much energy. And it was something I had never felt before in my life. Never. You know, it was just one of those fights where I was like, you know what? And that's that honestly... That was a fight that was a reality check. And I don't know Anthony Smith, his history, whatever it is. I just, I, you have to put those things in perspective is that when you are taking damage that you have never taken before. And for me, I would look at it too. Like you're taking damage for someone that's 40 years old. You shouldn't be taking damage from someone that's 40 years old at, at the level that you are at. And you are what? 31, 32 years old. You should be dominating those positions, those fights, whatever it is. I'm not saying like it's not a hard fought fight against Glover, but you got to start thinking, where do you go from there? You know, like it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. But when I, when I fought Tony and I was in the shower and I got done, I was a fucking bloody mess, probably about 20 something stitches on my face, you know, from my head to my face, the reality had set in like, this ain't for you anymore, brother. I mean, I'm not saying that Anthony Smith is at that level because he's no. he is younger. He is yeah. younger. But you have to start reevaluating who you have in your corner, who you have. And and Bob and I talked. We talked a long time about the whole situation and what had happened and what had occurred. He's like, I actually had thought about after the second round, like stopping the fight. He's like, but then I also thought too, like, let me see what you do. Let me see what happens. And we talked about this last week about Bob has always given me an opportunity. He's like, you fought out of this shitty situation, you know, in the second round. He's like, and you actually mounted a little bit of offense. He's like, so I had to let you go back there. And Josh, I know who you are. And I'm sure his corners know who he is. They've seen him spar in situations where he just is, he's worked his way out of shitty, shitty positions, dog dead tired. And that's kind of the, the, the reality is that your corners, even though they, love you they want the best for you but they have also seen you in the the worst positions the shittiest positions in training against guys you train against every day that knows every step and every move that you do so they have to allow you to go i just get concerned that your corners are not on the same page and when you said like with kraus and his other corner them not being on the same you have to make sure that the two of them are on the same page i always knew that bob cook javier mendez were on the same page because if they weren't like I get, I would, I would honestly get back to the the locker room and fucking cuss them out. It would be one of those conversations. But they were never that. They always had talked and communicated with each other, you know. And uh, that's what made that's what 
that's what helped me get through my career. And I think with Anthony, he just need, he just needs to make sure that his corners are on the same page because I, I don't think they were on the same page that night. Hey, hey, no, probably not. No. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's probably why they were almost talking over each other and giving him so yeah. much, you know, to, you know, to deal with as far as information and stuff. So, yeah. And that's but that goes to, you know, the whole point of, hey, your corner is really an important element in being a good fighter. And you have got to find people that you match up well with and that can feed you the information in the right way. Cause some guys need the cheerleaders. Some guys need those guys. that are the cheerleaders behind them. And some guys need the guys that are the motivators. And some guys need the guys that are just the, Hey, let's relax. Let's take a deep breath here. All right. I know you got hit by that right hand. You got to step off. I need you to keep moving towards yeah. your away from that power, you know, and just talking to them in that nice, easy tone, which brings them down and stuff. You know, it just depends on what kind of fighter you are, but you got to find that corner that matches up well with the way you receive information. I wanted to talk about one thing real quick before before we go is that this is a sport. And people need to understand that this is a sport. As much as we are fighting each other and we want to knock it ain't life out, and death. it is not life and death. And I've always carried myself to be like, I have, I don't care. I, I like, I don't, I've always been that person that even when I fought Pibble, we were laughing at the weigh-ins face to face. I have, I do <laughs> not care. At the end of the day, when this whole thing is done, I hope that you, you and I will continue to be friends, whether it was Gilbert, whether it was Nate, like even to this day, I, I talk highly of Nate because I truly admire everything he's done in the sport. I want to give credit where credit is due. All, all of the sport, all of the sport has been put aside because this is really a sport. Conor McGregor reached out and on Twitter and it's ah, had some positive, true. great things about Khabib and Khabib's father and everything that he was going through. Yes, he did. Everyone needs to understand that this is a sport. When it comes down to building the fights, that's different. It's it's the fight game. That's what yep. people do. You look at Mayweather, you look at Tyson. You it's look at it's a business. You got to run it a certain way. But when it comes down to family and what goes on, I got to tip my hat, man. He did a great yep. job. He, he, put out, he put out a nice tweet talking about his... Uh, could be his father wishing him the most uh respect and hoping that he gets through it and he and, did come out of the coma he is out of the coma now and he that's outstanding and so i had talked to islam a little bit i talked to umar a little bit i haven't i have not talked to khabib but they said he is awake he is functioning talking all these things which is absolutely amazing outstanding but my biggest thing was i want people to understand that whether it's a sport or not this is strictly it's it's a sport there's sport and there's life and Connor did a great job of making sure that he separated from promoting the fight to real life. And yeah. I love that. I love that he did that. And I, I tip my hat to him. I really do. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to do a lot of maybe some hate mail, whatever it is. Ah, you know, but I, I, it's exactly I what it. you're saying. He took any, you know, what he does within the sport and the, the building of a fight or the business end of the fight. You know, look at. Let's be honest. He he does a fantastic job in building the fight. Has he ever crossed the line? I think he has. Yeah. Yes, he has. Yes, no he doubt has. he has crossed he has. the line. Yep. But he also understands what it's like to be a son, 
a father and he knows when it's time to say, Hey, you know, I'm just wishing the best. Your dad was a great trainer. He's been a trainer of multiple champions and multiple arts and he's someone special. And I'm just wishing you all the best in my prayers to you. You got to look and say, way to go. Yeah. You know what? Put away the bullshit of the fight game and take on the seriousness of real life and death and the emotions and feelings that go with that. I thought Connor did a great job. It was a very nice of you to, to point that out. I didn't do that. You're a good man, John. I had to. I had to. I mean, I lost my father. I lost my father at a young age. So to think that Khabib being, you know, almost 30 years old and potentially losing his father, it really bothers me. I lost my father at 26. So in an emotional thing, I think it's very nice that, that Connor was able to reach out and say those things because it is. It's it's a lot. I mean, I, I honestly believe he was so close with his father that something like that we we may potentially never have seen them again and it's there's so much that goes into it and i and i just wanted to make sure that that outside of the fight game then people understood that it it was very important that connor did that and i thought it was very it was it was was amazing classy move it was very classy move very so um what else dave you got anything else buddy Um, no one likes you it's okay I like you, Dave. Uh, hey, guys. So, uh, actually, I wanted to bring up something. Pre- ProWrestlingTees.com. Josh Thompson official slash Josh Thompson official. Go there. Um, we have two t-shirts up right now, right? Correct. Oh, three? Mm-hmm. So, we have three t-shirts up right now. We should be potentially adding another one here probably in the next week or so. Beautiful new logo. But we had some fan art come in. Amazing. Yeah, nice we, job by amazing. that Amazing. I am very impressed. I like the design. And you are an artist, and my hat is off to you. I so, wish I could draw like that. Uh, no, I was just going to say, keep, keep the fan art coming in as far as uh, any logo ideas, um, T-shirt designs. You know, we're going to we're gonna make sure that we get, um, you, we kind of put, put some of these uh, fan designs on the forefront. So keep them coming in. Hey, we appreciate you guys. We're happy that you guys are actually um, putting your time and effort into this stuff. Um, follow us on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up. That shares our videos. Um, Just real quick, before you go to the yeah, social media. One thing before we go, we are almost, we're at right at 40,000 subscribers yeah. now. We're building. I love that. Thank you very much to all you people out there that are watching listening. But help drive us to 50,000 yeah. and we got to do something for for the people that that hit that magic fifty or something. I don't know. What do we need to do? Come on, Dave. Come up with something, Dave. This is let's your job. Do, let's do an extended fan Q and A. We'll do right. we'll do like a two two or three hour show where we just go deep on fan questions. All right. I'm cool with that. It. I'm cool with whatever you we'll want to do. do. Yeah. I mean, we, you and I, we don't really listen to the podcast, Dave, all that much about his ideas because, you know, sometimes he just rambles and sometimes we don't understand what he's saying because he speaks, is it Scottish? Even, is it Scottish? Is it, Scottish. Is, it, is it even English? I don't know what Scottish. it is. It's Scottish. Uh, Anyways, Scottish. I like your new hairdo. Is it is it bald, shaved? What is that? I don't even know what it is. My hairdo? My yeah. hair's the same? No, whatever. I never paid attention. So that's, <laughs> that's really what it came down to. Um, so yeah, please hit the thumbs up, prowrestlingtees.com. And well, so for the pro wrestling tees, I was just going to say until June 5th, uh, you guys can get 20% off weighing in t-shirts with the code weighing in at checkout. Perfect. So if you use the code weighing in, that will take 20% off your weighing in t-shirts. So um, that one's exclusive to us. So I just want you guys to know that we're giving you a discount exclusive to our listeners and watchers. Perfect. Anything else, Big John? 
I will on our fan question. I will bring in my my pet possum, Fred. <laughs> this guy <laughs> got to be killing me. Got to be killing nothing me. like having a pet. What possum, is it like? Dude. Four a.m. Where you're at right now? Yeah, yeah. Who needs to sleep? You don't need to sleep. It's overrated. I've heard that, but sleeping your what life away, man. Don't do it. Got to live life. Well, what I would just say is we got to be at 50K by next weekend. Otherwise, my wife said we can never do a thank you again. She's never, <laughs> hey, never going to let me out of the house. We grew about 10,000 10, followers in what? A week? Yeah. That's fucking amazing. And, and honestly, it's all up to you guys. We appreciate you guys. Thank you very you much. You guys are the ones doing it. So we thank you guys. Just want to let you guys know that. Thank you so much. And now Dave just needs to get this show out so people can see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to do this tonight. All right. You guys. Thank you so much for uh, watching and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you later, guys.